some uh, one kid will get jealous, another kid got a toy. And what usually breaks out after that? Strife. Okay, this also happens, you know, as we're adults. We get jealous and we can and bicker about things. And so that is one degree or one level that envy can lead to is strife. Another one that I want to talk about, another degree, this is envy can lead to slander. The Bible in Titus 3, 2 says to speak evil of no man. See, uh, a Bible teacher, Bill Gothard, defines slander as speaking the truth with a decision to hurt. Sometimes we can say, well, we're telling the truth, but if your motive in telling the truth is to hurt somebody, is to bring um, harm to a person, then that is slander, friends. And the Bible speaks against that. And oftentimes that slander is really masked, what we're the, rooted in envy. And so we need to be careful because once envy gets a hold of our tongue, it becomes a deadly little weapon, doesn't it? That's what James 3, 6 says. It says the tongue is set on a fire of the tongue is set on fire of hell. We need to be careful. It's a very dangerous weapon. I like to remind myself that the tongue is the one of the strongest muscles in your body. So go ahead and bite it when you need to. See, we will find ourselves saying just the right things about the person we envy in order to discredit their reputation. We can even make our motives for sharing these negative statements appear spiritual. But friends, underneath it all, we are striking out at the person and truth is not designed to just bring hurt and to cut. We are always to speak the truth in love, friends. And when we're doing it with a motive to to bring somebody down, then that could be slander, and we need to be careful because oftentimes slander is rooted in envy because envy can lead to not just strife but to slander. The third degree, envy can lead to cruelty. Uh, Many of you guys know uh, the story of Joseph, but for some of you who don't, we're going to go back to the Old Testament here, and we're going to break down the story of Joseph going back all the way to the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. And a lot of it is found in Genesis chapter 37. But we're going to, I'm going to highlight just two verses here, verse 11 and verse 28, and kind of combine them here. It says, and his brethren in the King James envied him and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. See, Jacob had many sons and one of them, one of the youngest was Joseph. And Joseph, being born in his old age, was kind of, you know, spoiled more so. And it's very easy when you have multiple children that the youngest oftentimes can be more spoiled because I think it's because my family tells me I happen to do that. And I think it's because I've got soft in my older years when I was 25 and had Shua. I wasn't as soft as versus in your 30-somethings having a kid, okay? I, 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 think, it, I think it's something that nat- naturally happens. But we need to be careful as parents not to show favoritism. And this is what apparently what the brothers thought that Jacob was being favor- or that Jacob was favoring 
Joseph because Joseph had a new jacket, a really nice one. Some of you guys have heard it, maybe even seen the play back in the 70s, the coat of many colors, right? And so he was kind of wearing his jacket. And then on top of that, on top of wearing his coat, God was speaking to him. God was speaking to Joseph. He was having dreams from God. When we first planted the church about a little over 10 years ago, we were meeting in our home. The Lord spoke to me very carefully and said, be careful who you share your dreams with. Because I think sometimes in our immaturity, when God speaks something to us, we get so excited. We want to run out and share it with everybody. And yet we don't really understand it fully ourselves. And other people, it could come off like you're bragging or boasting and other people may not understand it. Well, Joseph was a young man when he was having these dreams of God. And he went and he blabbered his mouth to his father and his brothers and everybody. And even his, even his father was like, whoa, what are you talking about? So you're trying to say that we're going to be subservient to you. We're going to bow, even your father and your mother's going to bow to you, our, our youngest baby, you know what I mean? And, and so it positioned Joseph in a way where his brothers were jealous of him. And what happened is his brothers devised a plan to, to kill him, to get rid of him. And one brother spoke up and said, no, 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 let's not shed blood. Let's just, you know, let's just do something else. And so Joseph went to find his brothers for his father, and the brothers basically took him and put him in a pit. And um, what happened was some Ishmaelites were coming by, and they said, well, let's not kill him. We're going to just sell him into slavery. Straight up, cruel cold-hearted, cold-hearted. And yet God still, if you read, read the rest of what happened, God worked, worked it out and, and his dream came true and the brothers, you know, came, came in and were rescued because of God works together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. But the point that I want to bring here is that jealousy can lead to cruelty. Jealousy can make you hate your own brothers and sisters. Jealousy can make you be so, uh, so envious of your own brothers and sisters that you would even be cold-hearted towards them. I've seen jealousy and envy ru ruin relationships where people are, are cut off from their own family members, all stemming back to envy, friends. We've got to be careful. Envy is so powerful uh, of a sin that it can really destroy entire families. It can ruin relationships. The fourth degree of envy is rebellion. And rebellion can, is the sin of witchcraft, and God will not tolerate it. Psalms 106.16 says, They envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron the saint of the Lord. And this verse is referring back to the Korah's rebellion. And you can read, again, in, in the Old Testament, I believe in Exodus, where Korah's rebellion happened, and he basically was jealous of Moses and was jealous of Aaron and the power of God on their lives. Instead of seeking God for himself, he looked at them and, and, and did everything, had the strife going, had the slander going, and, and became cruel and wanted to come up with this plan to overtake Moses and God intervened. And what happened is that you read, it's kind of crazy. He basically opened up the earth and swallowed up Korah and his whole plan went down with him, friends. We've got to be careful because what jealousy can do is it can, it can make us uh, rebellious. It can make us slander those who are in authority over us. And the secular workplace, you hear about it happening all the time, cl climbing the corporate ladder and knocking somebody else off on your way up and all this crazy stuff that happens. Well, friends, unfortunately, it even happens in the church. And we need to be careful that we don't give slander, any, uh, that we don't give this any kind of 
foothold in our life because it can lead to strife and it can lead to a, a, a cruelty. It can lead to rebellion. We must guard our heart against the attitude that is based on envy. Every attitude that's based on envy, we got to guard our heart. And finally, the fifth and the worst degree that envy can lead to is murder. Paul says envy is a work of the flesh. And when we read in Galatians 5, 19 and 21, it, li it lists all these different things that are work of the flesh. It says adultery and fornication and uncleanness, and it goes on and on, idolatry and witchcraft. And then you get down to verse 21, and it says envy. And then the verse are the one right after that. What's right after envy? Murder. Now, an interesting point to take note here that I did not realize um, until I was reading in my Greek devotional is that in the original context of the Greek language when this was written, there, there wasn't quite a word for murder here. And so when the King James translators were translating into English, they felt the need to put murder right after envy. And so most scholars believe the reason so is because that envy can lead to such a de uh, degree. If you allow envy to take hold of your heart and get a stronghold in your life, it can even lead to the degree of murder. And I'm going to prove it with what the word of God says because there's an example in the Bible, and it's the chief priest during the time of Jesus. Jesus, like Joseph, came among his own people, his own brothers, to, to bring the truth. But instead of the people of God at that time receiving the good news, the message of Jesus, the salvation that we, we have, that he is the Lord and Messiah, they were envious. And it says this in Mark 15, 10. It says, for he, and this is talking about Pilate, for Pilate knew the chief priest had delivered Jesus for what reason? For envy. See, it was envy that put Jesus on the cross, as well as your sins and my sins. Put him on the cross. It was envy that it was the high priest and the, and the, the chief priest at the time and all his peoples, right, the scribes and the Pharisees, who were jealous that Jesus had more of a following and the attention that Jesus was gaining. It made them jealous to the point that they devised a plan to kill the very son of God, friends. Do you see how we need to make sure that we don't have this envy in our life, that we get rid of this stuff because it can go as far as murder. And so today we're gonna, we've pointed out all these different degrees, these five different degrees that, that envy can take us to, and it's all rooted in selfishness. Envy is completely rooted in selfishness. It could take you to strife. It could take you to slander. It could take you to rebellion. It could take you to cruelty, and it could take you to murder. But friends, we want to now focus on five things that we need to do to overcome the green eye monster called envy. Five things to do to, to kill the green eye monster named envy. And this would not be a word from me if I did not break those five things down, of, of course, in an acrostic. So here we go, guys. We're going to break down the word green, the green-eyed monster, and how to overcome or kill that ugly green-eyed monster. Because now that we know the truth, we need to work on how we can be set free from envy. Amen? The first thing that we need to do is we need to be grateful for what we have. We need to be grateful for what we have. I really believe that the number one way to not be envious of other people is for us to be grateful for our blessings. See, the old saints used to say it like this. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Did you wake up this morning? Praise the Lord. You're alive. See, the old saints used to say, well, I'm just praise the Lord. I'm just, I got breath in my lungs today. 
You know, and if you grew up in church and you heard any, you know, heard any of the grandmas saying that kind of stuff, you might have been like, okay, grandma. <laughs> but listen, they realized when you get to the end of your life, you realize how short life really is. And they were praising God and giving thanks that they were still alive today. But we take some of those blessings for granted, friends. Do you have loved ones around you? Praise the Lord. Someone else is going through a loss, friends. We need to be grateful for what we have and thankful. Do you have a roof over your head and food to eat? There's others that don't. We need to be grateful for the blessings of God that are in our life. See, there's different kinds of prayers that the Bible talks about. There's intercession and there's supplication. And there's a prayer that's called Thanksgiving, friends. We've got to get back to the place as Christians that love the Lord, that give a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord God, for my blessings. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you I can lift my hands and worship. Thank you for the freedoms that I have in you, Christ Jesus. Thank you that you set me free, that you pulled me from the miry pit, and that you set my feet on the solid ground. Thank you that you saved me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've blessed me with family and friends and people around me. We need to give thanks, friends. If you want to overcome that green eye monster, we need to give thanks. Another thing that we need to do to overcome that green eye monster is we need to reset your perspectives. See, the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. And this was Stephen Furtick, who is a, a minister. We compare our behind the scene mess with everybody else's highlight reel. We open up this Word on envy with that Facebook video that's looking at Facebook and saying, oh, I wish I had that and I wish I had that. Well, friends, I want to get a little real with you because, you know, it's easy to look at everybody's Facebook posts and say, oh, man, I wish I had it like that. Well, yesterday, I think almost everybody was posting on Facebook because, you know, a week ago it was snowing. So we had to show everybody the fun things we were doing and the sunshine on a Saturday in Ohio and Toledo. And so my my family, like your family, we put a couple pictures on Facebook. We actually went for a picnic, and we had a good time. But friends, those pictures make it look like, man, I just got the best kids and the best, and I do. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't have our, our, our moments. Look, you can even see me in the picture. You see that shadow? That's me. That's me taking a picture of my daughter posing. She got the basket. We even have the old-fashioned basket and the cute little, you know, red tablecloth for the picnic. I mean, it was a good time. But listen, friends, that's the highlight reel of our good time yesterday. The behind the scenes is, well, we went to the park, gathered all the kids up. And, well, before we even got to the park, Josh and I were fighting mostly me because he wouldn't listen to me and park in the good spot. He parked in some other spot, and I was trying to tell him the reasons why I think he should park in the other spot, and so I had a little attitude problem. I'm sure none of you guys ever have that, right? Of course, we're not going to take a picture of myself having my attitude problem. I had so much of an attitude problem that when we got to the park, he started playing Frisbee with the kids, and I was like, I ain't praying. I, got, I had to walk two laps before I could even come around and play Frisbee with the kids because I had such an attitude that he didn't park where I told him he should have parked. And then in my little walk, in my little two laps, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, we're in a quiet park with hardly nobody here. And I hear my kids on the opposite side of the lap because they're so stinking loud crying over, no, this Frisbee should be for me. I want the Frisbee. We went, we. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Of course, I didn't take a picture of that because, you know, that wouldn't make a good Facebook post. 
And, and, and on top of it all, then they decide they're going to ride their bikes. And so they see this big grassy hill and two kids went down it with great success and had so much fun taking their bike on that green hill. And of course, you know, we want our kids to be kids and experience this thing. And so we're letting them ride down old school like they were 80s kids with no helmet, no, you know, psh, forget all that stuff, you know, no helmet, no, no knee pads, old school, the way we grew up, right? And so they're riding down. People are probably judging us for that, first of all. Um, <laughs> and then one kid did it, and, well, they didn't have such success. They went tumbling down over their bike, bike flipping up. It was, it, was not, it was not a good idea. Matter of fact, they got so mad, they said, I'm never riding a bike again. Well, their dad gave them a speech, and, well, they got back up, and they went up that hill again, and they were on that bike, and, well, they fell again. I could have took a picture of them, flipped all over, and put that on Facebook. But, well, you know, we, we like to put our highlights on, not our behind-the-scenes stuff. Well, to make matters even worse, right before it was time to eat, one kid had to use the bathroom so bad we couldn't find a porta potty to save our life, so they had to use a tree. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Pastor Josh said, I'm not sure if you should share that part. But that's real, friends. That's real. <laughs> no pictures to prove it, but it happened. <laughs> This is the thing, friends. Social media has given us a window to compare ourselves with everyone we know and some we don't know that well, like never before. Sometimes we think, oh, well, they had a nicer date than I went. I had an, oh, they went to a nicer restaurant than I went to. Or they have a bigger house, a nicer car, a better job. A, you know, they have a newer outfit than I have. Their life is more exciting. They have more adventures. They have such a good time. And we aren't aware of when we in interact with them, sometimes it even shows on our face the envy that we have or the jealousy that we have. And sometimes we don't aware, aren't aware that we're only seeing their highlights, not the behind-the-scenes stuff. So we need to reset our perspective because, friends, it's not happy days for everybody every single day. You might look at your pastors and think, man, they have a great marriage, and we do, and they have everything's wonderful. But listen, friends, you don't know the behind the scenes. Everybody struggles. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has days where they're falling off that bike down a hill. You know what I'm saying? We all stumble in many ways. We need to reset our perspective and stop looking at others saying, I wish I was like them. And we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. We need to fix our eyes on him and know that these light and momentary trials are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. But we need to reset our perspective to overcome envy, to overcome jealousy so that we can be all that God has called us to be. Stop comparing ourselves with others and start saying, God, I want you. I need you. Make me be the best me that, that you've called me to be. We also need to learn to enjoy other people's success. If you want to overcome that green eye monster, you want to get rid of envy in your life, we need to learn to rejoice with those who rejoice. See, it's real easy for us to follow the other part of that verse in Romans and mourn with those who mourn. I think we do a better job at that in the church. We can get around people when they're going through something. But when someone has a promotion, sometimes it's not hard to rejoice with them. When God has moved on someone's life and they have a promotion at their job or God has moved them to start a ministry or do something exciting, we sometimes have a harder time rejoicing with them. It, when, when God blesses somebody with a, a family, a new child or a, a new job or a new car or a new house, sometimes we think to ourselves, man, 
I wish I had that. And we don't rejoice with those who rejoice. Friends, the next time you find yourself tempted to get envious over someone else's blessing or position, call upon the Spirit of God to help you put to death that work of the flesh because envy is the work of the flesh and put to silence that green-eyed monster and instead rejoice with those who rejoice. Celebrate with them. I just recently saw one of my, um, a, a, a girl that I'm acquainted with at TCS who was sharing her testimony and I, I get to go there at the school and preach at their chapels as a local Christian school. And so there's Christians from all over, you know, the area that, that send their kids there. And I get to go to the middle school and high school and, and, and share God's word about once a month. And I was sharing with this girl and she's one of those girls, man, you could just see God's call on her life. I mean, when I'm preaching, man, she's sitting at the end of her chair, like, like she's ready to just hop up and just like take the mic and just add to it, man. You can see God is doing a work in her life. And I got to talk to her and encourage her. And I've heard her testify before. And when I see her, I try to encourage her in the faith. Well, I saw this testimony. It, man, it made my heart so happy. It made me say, man, praise the Lord. There's a young girl who's a teenager that is getting on fire. She was talking about um, being baptized in the Holy Spirit and God's calling of, uh, on her life for ministry. And I was just so excited for her. Now, see, the enemy, when we see those kind of things, what he wants to do, and, and, and he lies to me too, friends, all of us, to say, oh, well, I wish I could see, I wish I could see some teenagers in our church get that on fire. Or I wish my own kids would get that on fire. Or I remember when I was that on fire or whatever. That's what the enemy does. He lies to us instead of being happy for somebody. We've got to switch that because when, when he lies to us or, or, or and sometimes it's not even the enemy. Sometimes it's just, it's just our own flesh, friends. It's just our flesh. When our flesh wants to rise up and say, man, I wish that was me instead. We have to put that flesh to death and we have to say, you know what? I'm going to rejoice with those who rejoice. I'm going to be happy for someone else's blessing. I'm going to be happy that God has chosen to lift them up. Because listen, you are going to reap what you sow. And so when you learn to rejoice with those who rejoice, when your turn comes and it's coming, when your blessing comes and it's coming, when you follow God, you will get blessed. You can't, it, it just, it happens. You follow him, success comes, happiness comes, blessings come from that. And when it happens for you, when you sow in rejoicing and happiness with other people, when you get happy for them, when your turn comes, people will be happy with you. Do you see what I'm saying, friends? We got to overcome that green-eyed monster called envy, and this is a way to do it. Enjoy other people's success. And another thing that we need to do to overcome envy in other people's lives is we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. This is what David did. When David was down, he spoke to his own soul and he said, why so downcast all my soul? Put your hope in your brother's Judah. Put your hope in your own tribe. They're going to have your back. When you go to war, if no one else has your back, you know, you know your boys are going to have your back. Put your hope in that. Put your hope in your armies. Put your hope in your wives. Put your hope in your riches. No. He said, put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. Because everything else can let you down. Everything else can fail. But friends, if God be for you, who can be against you? We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Instead, you know how we try to encourage ourselves? We try to encourage ourselves by saying, well, well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I mean, my house might not be like over there where I would like it to be. But at least it's not 
like the boarded up one next door. <laughs> right? At least, you know, maybe my kids are, you know, don't have all straight A's and on the report, but at least they're not like, I heard about so-and-so's kid. And they're, you know, that's what we do to, to encourage ourselves. We compare ourselves with someone we think has it worse. Friends, it's messed up. It all leads to envy. Instead, we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord and say, if God be for me, who can be against me? Too often we're envious of someone else because we're too busy comparing ourselves with them. We should only compare ourselves to where we used to be, not where someone else is. Be the better person that you can be that God has called you to be. Don't compare yourself to even where you are now, but where you used to be. I may not be where I need to be yet, but I'm not where I used to be. Amen. Come on, friends. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Look to the Lord and say, thank you, God, for taking me from here. Thank you, God, for taking me from this. And God, I know you're still doing a work, and I may not be. I can see a blessing in someone else's life, and I know that's going to be for me one day. I may not be there yet, but God, I'm not going to focus on that person's blessings. I'm going to focus on you and where you're taking me. And enjoy the journey, friends. See, because when we do this and encourage ourselves in the Lord, we realize that our joy only comes from him, that our contentment only comes from him. And we realize that we are special because God made us special. And finally, if we want to overcome that green-eyed monster, if we want to put that green-eyed monster to death, we need noble pursuits. A noble pursuit is to pursue, first of all, noble character. A noble person is unselfish. A noble person puts others' interests before their own. See, the Bible says in Philippians 2, 5, to have the attitude of Christ Jesus. And Jesus stripped himself of all of his riches in heaven, and he came, made himself a man and taken on the very nature of a servant, and he served others. That is what noble people do. We've lost some really good words and vocabulary in our generation, and to be noble is one of those things. God wants to raise up men of God that are noble, women of God that are noble, that do the right thing, that love God, that share mercy with others, that, that rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, who serves others. See, the tendency of our old nature is to put me first, selfish. Me, 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 me. Joyce Myers used to do this little robot dance, talking about some me, 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 me. Some of y'all who watch her, you know what I'm talking about. And we have that tendency to want to put ourselves first. But friends, when we are pursuing God, we will learn to be noble, to have the attitude of Christ, and to put him first. And when we put him first, then we're going to put others before ourselves. We will show kind affection to one another in brotherly love and honor, in honor, preferring one another above ourselves. Friends, we need to learn to really honor one another. The one thing that the Bible does encourage us to covet is spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, 31, it says this, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. Friends, if you need to covet something, if you need to long and desire something, let it be for more of the Spirit, because when you desire more of the Spirit and the gifts that come with the Spirit, God will give it to you. God will give it to you. And the reason why God will give it to you is because that gift 
is not just for you. It is to build you up, but not just for you. It's to build up the body of Christ. Let us all learn to be noble and to use what God has given us, our blessings, to bless others. That's when we overcome envy. That's when we overcome envy. There's a scripture that I want to end with, Proverbs 14, 30. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. There was a prophetic word this morning that there are some people who need to be healed, and I believe that this word is for you. Maybe some people need to really even repent of envy, and that's even affecting their spiritual health, and not just their spiritual health, but even their bodies. Friends, God has a desire for you today to be free from this. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you close your eyes for a minute? Would you just focus on the Lord? Forget about the person next to you. Just focus on the Lord. Focus on him today. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for how good you are. God, I pray right now for each and every single person in the sanctuary today. God, I pray that you would draw them with your loving kindness, that you would draw them close to you. God, I'm one that stands here myself and say, I've dealt with insecurities and I still deal with insecurities in my own life. I had to put my own jealousy, my own envy down before you, God. It's so easy to compare ourselves to someone else's highlight reel, Lord God, but I pray in the name of Jesus that you would teach us instead to fix our eyes on you.